Ah, beloved, I'm Pastor Trey, and you're now listening to the New Living Translation. This is Bonafide Bible Talk, because God speaks my language too, and I'm sure enough about to act like it. Let's go. Y'all mind if I rap with you for a minute? I should hope not, because you kind of clicked on a podcast with my name and face on it. It was about to happen either way. I just wanted to ask as a courtesy before I did that. But now that I'm going to pretend you answered in the affirmative, even if you probably didn't answer neither way, but you still listening right now, that, that's an affirmative. You've granted me consent to rap with you. So I'm going to rap with you real quick. Anyhow, I don't want to assume that you have the opportunity to listen to the trailer for this podcast or that you automatically know what the aim and the goal, the vision for the New Living Translation this project is. So I wanted to take a moment to share with and articulate that for y'all. Because I have this sneaking suspicion that a lot of us don't really know or haven't wrestled with why the Bible holds any relevance for us here in the 21st century, here in this 2021st year of our Lord. And I mean that even if you happen to be a professing Christian, you attend church regularly, whether you grew up as one with the Bible in your house or whether you are an adult convert or recent convert who is getting into the habit of things. um, There's plenty of people who know of the Bible, know the Bible, can quote scriptures and everything, but haven't too often sat with its relevance for us in today's day and age and not even in the sense of oh it's god's words these are basic instructions before leaving earth or some giant rule book but why would i need to comb through this ancient text in order to find out how to live today right like what relevance does this book have for somebody who is living in the middle of a densely populated city in this day and age and what i hope to do in the new living translation is bridge that gap and maybe that's not you maybe you don't think like that but i do and i like to make work that i'm proud of work that helps me and people like me so that being said uh today wanted to deal with who is one of my favorite bible characters in the entire canon a dude by the name of Jephthah who appears in the book of Judges and I like him because his story is not one that would necessarily be celebrated today as a matter of fact they don't even talk about him that much in the Bible he's pretty much relegated to a couple of chapters in Judges Judges chapter 11 and 12 but it's such a relatable story when you actually sit with what's transpiring And it doesn't use our vernacular, so it's hard to connect some of the dots and see what's going on. And that story for me is a great opportunity to exercise the goal of what I'm trying to do here. Because when we read the Bible, we hear the Bible, we handle the Bible in a language that is familiar to us, using terms that are familiar to us, but still faithful to what's going on in these stories. Because make no mistake about it, the Bible, as much as it is the 
record of, of history and whatever instructions we need for today. It is also the stories, the, a collection of stories of a very real people in history. And when we're able to understand those stories in ways that connect with us, I think it helps us to track God in our own times. So without much further ado, we're going to hop into this story with a dude named Jephthah. I'm going to call him Jeff just because I feel like I might be saying his real name wrong sometimes and he's not here to correct me. So apologies to you, Jephthah. For the next few moments, you're going to be Jeff. It's all good in the hood. Love you, bro. Thank you for your story. Let's get into it. Meet Jeff. Now, Jeff was a certified soldier. His daddy was Gilead, but his mama, let's call her a uh, lady of the night. Well, sex worker. We tried to be politically correct with the translation, even if the Bible wasn't. So Gilead had a wife, too. She had a bunch of other sons. And when Gilead's other sons grew up, they got Jeff up out the pain. Like, we ain't splitting none of this cash with that lady, kids. So Jeff ran away from his brothers and he hit the streets in this place called Toad. Soon, he was gangbanging. Not just any gangbanger. He was like head honcho, OG status. Around the same time, some folks called the Ammonites was fixing to give Israel the business. And when the folks in Israel realized they had their hands full, old heads from Jeff's hometown tried to get a line on them out in tow. They're like, yo, Jeff, can you come help us fix this mess? Like, the Ammonites about to give us that work and we need help. But Jeff... He got a long memory. Like, they ain't trying to say ones who spent all them years making my life hell. The same folks who put me out on the streets in the first place. And now the child situation looking like hell, you want to hit me up? Got some nerve. Back home, they like, uh, yeah, we heard you about that life now. We need you. Ammonite's trying to punk us. And I tell you what, if you help us out with these folks, we going to let you run the block. Now, Jeff says, let me get this straight. And on the record, if I come back home and... By God, I help you get these Ammonites up out the pain and save y'all little sorry behinds I get to run the town. The old heads put their heads together. They like, bet on God, whatever you say, just, just help us get out of this mess. So, Jeff goes back home with the old heads and the people let him run the town and the army. But Jeff remember how they did him when he was a kid. Like, they had already burned him once. He's not moving silly no more. So he makes them head to this place in public and repeat that in front of everybody, in front of God, get this whole thing set in stone. Like, nah, this is what y'all say is gonna happen if I do this. And after they finally repeat that in front of everybody, he got their word, word is bomb, all that stuff. Finally, Jeff turns his attention to the ops, to the leader of the Ammonites. Like, yo, what's the deal, man? Why you messing with my people? King of the Ammonites is like, yo, I'm going to tell you what the deal is, Jeff. When Israel was coming out of Egypt, they took our land. Give it back, we ain't got no problems. Now, Jeff is true to this, not new to this. He understands how this game is played. So he's like, yo, man, ain't nobody taking none of y'all land. Here's how this went down. We was running from the whole entire Egyptian army. I don't know, you might have heard of it. And after, like, we went through the middle of the Red Sea, you might have heard about that part too. We just asked for permission to walk through the land. Everybody said no. Everybody. 
So we stayed put. Now, eventually, we walked around through the wilderness. It took us forever. It, was, it won't even that long of a trip. It took us forever because we and nobody let us walk. Big problems. We ain't never touched nobody's land. We asked permission again to cross through somebody else's land. And they ain't just say no. They sent a whole nother army to attack us. But God put the brakes on that mess. So if anybody stole your land, it was God. And why are we supposed to give back what God gave us? How about this? Y'all keep whatever y'all God gave y'all, and we gonna keep whatever our God gave us. Y'all the only people out here whining about some old stuff having 300 years ago. You ain't even say nothing till now. You acting like a little punk. We ain't do nothing to y'all. Matter of fact, y'all need to apologize for starting all this mess. Keep it up. We gonna let God decide who tripping here. <laughs> but the king ain't pay Jeff no mind. So, Jeff went all across the region, picking up folks left and right. And they gave the Ammonites that work. But before Jeff had left for the battle, he made God a little promise. You see, sometimes gangbangers got to operate by a code. You know, you pour something out for the homies every now and then. But he tells God, if you help me out right here, when I get back, whatever comes to greet me, I'm offering to you as a burnt offering. God came through for Jeff. And because he'd been victorious, the first thing that came out to greet him was his daughter, his baby girl, the only kid he had. And Jeff shook up, like, nah, I'm not doing it. And the daughter, sweet as can be, says, Daddy, you know what? You made God a promise. Gotta keep that promise. And Jeff goes through with it. Can you imagine that, like, compound grief? The high of feeling vindicated. All the people who once cast you out. Now I got to sit there and thank you and hail you as a hero. Only for you and trying to honor and give glory to God. Having to sacrifice what means the most to you. That's the type of stuff that'll change a man. He's already dealing with the trauma from whatever his childhood and adolescence and the rejection of his brothers might have brought to him. Then and going into battle out here, that's a lot for the human soul to tolerate. And now he has to grieve his own daughter. Dang, Jeff. The story of Jeff sits with me because I feel like there's a little bit of Jeff in a whole lot of us. And there you have it. The story of how God used the son of a prostitute who eventually became a gangbanger to rescue people that God had called beloved. I appreciate Jeff's story because of how it fits into the Bible's overall redemptive arc. There's this motif, this pattern in the Bible that resurfaces over and over again throughout the Hebrew scriptures, throughout the New Testament of people in distress being rescued by people with the most unsavory backgrounds there's the story of a murderer with a speech impediment named Moses who leads the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt there's the story of a Canaanite prostitute named Rahab who shelters some of the Hebrew spies and becomes a part of their story there's the story of a young unwed lady by the name of Mary who has a child that would fully embody God and change the history of the world as we know it you see, this story is one in a long line of stories that shows that God is not limited in who can be used to show the character of God. 
It doesn't matter what labels that we place on each other. It doesn't matter the steps that we've taken in life, often for our survival, out of necessity, because of things that people have done to us. Make no mistake, Jeff was a gangbanger, but he was a product of his environment. But that didn't stop God from using him. As a matter of fact, some of the same people who were calling Jeff unworthy of what was rightfully his because of things that were beyond the scope of his control. It's almost as though the one that everybody had rejected, the stone that the builders refused, had become the capstone. Stories like Jephthah's help us find the consistency of God's character as chronicled in the Bible. It's one of those stories that doesn't try to make anybody look too pretty. We see that even after Jephthah is used to save the people in Gideon, that he still makes mistakes. That his daughter has to pay the price for some of his irrational decisions. Life is messy. And it doesn't necessarily get any less messy because we claim that God is intimately involved in everything that we do. I like this story because it shows that God does not require perfection. In fact, it's often the people that most of us would consider the least worthy or most imperfect that God will use in order to show us the foolishness of our own standards. Now, none of what I just said was in the Bible directly. That's me interpreting things. But the cool thing about the New Living Translation is that I get to interpret things because at the end of the day, it's all most of us are doing. And when we give ourselves permission to handle these stories, to wrestle with these stories, to dig for the truth in these stories, then all of a sudden the Bible is unlocked anew to us. And for me, that's a pretty dope place to be. And I'm just bold enough to believe that God speaks to you in your language too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the New Living Translation and come back and rock with us next time. Translation is a production of Three Black Men, the podcast about theology, culture, and the world around us. You can follow us on Twitter at Three Black Men. That's the number three, not spelled out, Black Men. You can find me on all social media platforms at Pastor Trey 05. That's Pastor Trey 05. Don't send me no Facebook requests, though. Like, I don't be over there. That's the bad place. This work has been made possible by a community of folks who've chosen to show their support through generosity. You can join us at patreon.com slash three black men. Spell three out that time, though. Patreon.com slash three black men. There you can find even more original content from Sam, Rob, and yours truly. Make sure you subscribe to, rate, and review the New Living Translation and Three Black Men wherever you get your podcast. And remember, real recognize real. Don't get caught looking unfamiliar.